It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your large or small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, welcome to episode 140 of Three Point Podcast. We are down to 22 days to the election and 80 days to the end of this awful 2020. Our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankered Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. Okay, so this past weekend, I don't know if this is something that's just like a millen- maybe not a millennial problem, but a Gen Z problem is you guys know the dances at school and other places like that, it's turned into like grind fest. Mm-hmm. Well, the only problem with that, that's awesome, and I know, Ted, you've said it before, uh, that you wish you could have experienced that. <laughs> we had the only thing close to it. dance in the day, like the square dancing, but the only problem <laughs> with that is I've realized weddings, you know, there's grandmas around, parents around, the lights are on, it's, it's a little bit more family-friendly. The dancing is something I've never really partaken in. And I've realized that I really don't know what the hell I'm doing when I'm on the dance floor. So I just figured I'd open that up. What What do you do? What do you do? Oh, wow. I, I can see that because I think as far as if we're talking specifically wedding, I think it's big on like what the vibe is of the whole wedding. Because I've, I've definitely been to a couple that, I've been to a couple that were dry, so no one was drinking. I've been to a couple that, you know, maybe only a few people were and the, the dances were just the typical 
cha-cha slide and you know the chicken <laughs> dance and then i've yeah. been to a few like i mean mine my, my wife and i's reception was was rowdy i mean it was like me and my boys back in college again and some other ones like that where it's an open bar and i mean it's just you go out there and it's like it's a club and it's a good time so i think it just depends the big thing is like it depends on the wedding and if you're with a bunch of your friends and i mean yeah maybe you don't want to be like embarrassing you know you got grandmas and aunts and uncles watching but i think most people like most people understand a wedding it's a good time you're partying everyone's dressed up you're celebrating love and you're having some drinks and you're there for a good time, so get out on the dance floor and just let loose. Now, Jared, you uh, you didn't dance at Jessica's or Amy's, is that what you're saying? I, I did not. I was uh, probably the only sober person in those weddings. If you remember, there was no kids allowed. <laughs> I don't remember which wedding it was, but I was like the last one that made the cut. Oh, yeah, you were. That was Jessica's. Kids were allowed to Amy's, but yeah, I get you. I understand. You know, and you know, Matt's kind of right on that. At weddings. You know, you're having a good time, you're celebrating, uh, you're definitely getting cocktails in you when it's not a dry wedding. And once uh, once they start kicking in, you know, you get out there on the dance floor and it doesn't matter how silly you look because you, you do look silly when you watch the video back, especially on the fast stuff. But, uh, you know, this is a generational thing. And really, at my age, as far as dancing goes, it's pretty limited to, you know, the slow dances, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, we didn't do the. You guys do, really we, didn't answer my question. You guys basically said, "Well, it depends on the different varying weddings." What do you do, flat out? What the heck do you do on the dance floor? You mean you want us to describe how we jerk around or what? <laughs> you don't even know. You said I've never seen you dance. You don't dance. I, yeah, you, I was out there quite a bit at, at both Amy's and Jessica. I, I get out there and shake it up. You know, uh, kind of a cross between uh, Elaine from Seinfeld and the Twist, maybe, and. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I think it also, like, depends on the song. Like, if it's, you know, kind of like a grinding song, you know, if, if you've got a wife or a girlfriend or something like that, <laughs> if it's just some song that you're going to jump around to with your buddies and, like, say the lyrics and, you know, sing the song or whatever, headbang, if it's like, I don't know, it just depends on the song, too. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not out there, like, breakdancing. I'm not, like, you know, doing that stuff. But, like, just out there. You feel the music. Get out there and have fun. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, the millennial thing is the grind, right, Jared? You guys are grinding on each other pretty much any upbeat song with a lot of bass. Pretty much any song other than a slow song. Uh-huh. Yes, that's basically what you do. That's all I've learned. That's I was molded in those streets, not in the, yeah. uh, let's, like, I don't even know, like, swing dance or whatever the heck you guys, what did you guys used to do at your dance? Like, Ted, when you were in high school, what did you guys do? Well, like I said, if, if I have to call a dance, it would be kind of a combination of the, you know what the twist is? This was a 60s dance. <laughs> That's what you guys did. Where you just kind of twist sideways, you know, and it depends on the music. I will tell you this. I was an early proponent of a, a, like a Motown grind. And what I'll, what I'll say on that is when I, when I first met my wife, we actually, you know, the story is I, I dated her for a while before we both got married to other people and we connected later on but when i first went out with her um we used to go to this nightclub in flint called contos and she introduced me to this dance called the bump and it was it, it's kind of like the grind but you kind of dance sideways and you bump your hips and then you turn around and you bump your asses it's that's about the only way i can describe it you know but it was all kind of uh 
R&B type of music back then to dance to that. The, yeah. the only way that was fun for you is if, knowing you, you probably had a few uh, <laughs> pops out parties. <laughs> well, that goes without saying, but of course. All right, guys, I've described my dancing enough. Um, you know, we know Jared has no clue other than grinding away, and Matt's kind of in the middle. It's kind of like this podcast goes, isn't it? Yeah, I remember going from middle school to high school. I don't know what middle school dances were like for you. Uh, Jared, I mean Ted. I don't even. We didn't even dance. What middle middle school dances were, but like for us, middle school dances at Corona were they had the wall in the middle of the gym, one half <laughs> yep. where the DJ was, and basically just everyone standing around the guys just watching the girls dance, and then the other half was the they had a basketball court, you know, where you could shoot hoops. That's where most of us spent our time was playing basketball during the dances. But then you went up to high school, and there was actual dancing and grinding going on. I just remember being like deer in the headlights the first time like grinding at a high school dance so <laughs> i mean i can understand like i don't know if you're not sure what to do but I, I think the biggest thing is you just have fun you go out there you feel the music you jump around you dance you, you sing the song you like you have fun with your buddies and if you've got a girlfriend or someone grind away yeah it's fun yeah i remember the first time you're you nailed it right in the head with how the middle school dance went for me except for me it was dodgeball so while everyone else was, like, <laughs> dancing or being a wallflower on the other side, I was just playing dodgeball. And I remember my very first dance, my freshman year. I, was, I just was telling somebody this story. I don't remember who. But I was, like, I remember my freshman year, we went out to eat, like, a P.F. Chang's or something with, like, me. And, like, I, I was with a bunch of sophomores. I was the only freshman. I remember we had, like, a little powwow in the bathroom, all the guys. And I, I remember I basically was, like, how do you even grind? What do you even do? And it erupted into laughter, and I never got an answer. Kind of like how I never got an answer from you guys on how to dance, but I guess you just got to kind of figure it out, just like I did when I was in high school. Just kind of hit the dance floor, and you figure it out after a few dances. That's pretty much it, and it's funny, you know, because, uh, you know, as old as I am, our junior high dancers were identical to what you guys described. The guys played some basketball at one end of the gym, and the girls were dancing on the other side, and the only guys that danced were nerds, and that, that was just the way it was. High school, a little different, but I can't describe how we danced any clearer than the twist, a modified twist, with a little air guitar mixed in. That's about it. I can, I can imagine, Ted. Look at those nerds dancing all the girls while we're playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, what did I know, right? <laughs> All right, right, we're going to get into some NBA Finals. Uh, It's over, the bubble worked, and we're going to get into that. But I want to tell you about Advanced Elevator Company. They have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators, the best in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and a longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Also, Hankered Sportswear. They're the area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. The Hankered Sportswear team prides themselves by giving a good product at a great value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. Owasso Krona and St. Paul School Spirit Wear in stock. They're located in downtown Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. And phone them at 989-725-2979. Give them a follow on Facebook at Hankered Sportswear. Ted, you brought up the NBA Finals, so we're going to get into that. But the way we we got to start this off tonight, I've got a little bone to pick with with the young man Jared here. Mm-hmm. So Friday, you guys called the the Owasso Corona game, the the football game on Friday night. And you know, first of all, I, I will say I tuned in for a little bit. Great job, as expected. Corona put a whooping on Owasso. So as former Cavaliers, we all like to see that. So I tuned in at halftime. I, I was like kind of busy, and I was like, <laughs> let me let me turn on this game, see what these guys are up to. And it was halftime. 
right when you guys were about to get into your little like sports catch-up chat segment during halftime, and basically the first thing I hear is Jared saying that LeBron is the GOAT, the Kobe versus LeBron debate is laughable. I think you called, like, it's laughable to even have that debate anymore. And he said, like, LeBron should be the GOAT. This is, I mean, mind you, this is before the Lakers had won the, the series. So maybe that would have changed your argument even more. But I almost, I, I texted you guys. I know you guys were busy. You weren't on your phone. But I texted. I was like, I should almost call these guys. I don't know if they can take calls on this broadcast. <laughs> I'm about to call in and, and give Jared a piece of my mind because the argument you made was, that LeBron was the better basketball player and maybe like Michael Jordan or Kobe or some of these other guys had better resumes. And I actually think I think it's the other way around, especially now taking into account that LeBron just won his fourth title with the Lakers. I think, I mean, people have said it, Bill Jackson even, the, the basketball coach, you know, with the Lakers and Bulls said the same thing, that Kobe, the basketball player, maybe one of the best basketball players in the history of the NBA, skill, finesse, and all that kind of stuff. But LeBron's resume, I think now, especially with his fourth title, 10 NBA Finals, and he's still got a few years left, I think by the end of it, LeBron's resume might be the best. Is he the best basketball player? I mean, you watch him. He's just basically bigger, faster, stronger than everyone on the court. But his like three-point shooting's never been that great. Free-throw shooting's a little iffy. His one-on-one game isn't that great. He just basically barrels through, dude. So I, like that's my bone to pick. Your, your argument about the resume versus the basketball player in my opinion, I think is a little flipped. Kobe's the better basketball player, but LeBron's resume now, LeBron's resume now, four titles, you know, three three different teams, three NBA Finals MVPs with three different teams. I mean, I don't care that he's lost a bunch of NBA Finals. To do it this, this long for that great, it's hard to argue. Point. Okay, now counterpoint, Jared. Okay. It sounds like you're arguing that he's more skilled and not like a – like, would you say, Matt, would you honestly say – five LeBrons would not be five Kobe Bryants in a game of basketball if it was a team, if they were both on a team. Well, that's like that. That's like such a – because I think you even talked about – you guys were talking about different eras, and, you know, that's like making like an era argument because you could say a guy like Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons as far as skill for a basketball player probably has more skill than LeBron. But if you're going to say that, like, yeah, five LeBrons would absolutely wipe the floor with five Isaiah Thomases. So, like, that argument doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So, like, I, like, if you watch Kobe play, dribbling, ball handling, shooting, free throw shooting, it, it, passing, he didn't <laughs> he didn't do a whole lot of passing as much as LeBron, but when he wanted to, he, he could rack up the assist too. So I just think the skill that Kobe had as far as, like, pure basketball player is pretty far superior to what LeBron is. LeBron's just so much more athletic and stronger and bigger and faster than everyone that's usually how he plays. And he's just stacking up a resume with the Olympic stuff, too, that it's going to be hard to argue if he, if he does this for another three or four years. Yeah, it's a tough argument, and it, it, it's it's good for sports it's not talk. It's a tough argument. It's really not. It is. I'll cut you off, but it's not. Well, it, it's a, it, it is because if you ask... We had some weird like group of like Matt fanboys who think like Mama Mentality, which... Kobe created himself. It's not like somebody gave him that nickname. Yeah, but Jared, you like he named himself that. Like, and people think that because Kobe was like a, a dick and like made all of his teammates like worst players around him and wasn't a good teammate at all. Like, did you, I'm re- literally reading a book right now, Three Ring Circus, by Jeff Perlman, where he tells a story of how Kobe was invited out to a team dinner that was paid for by Shaq. He says no. Thirty minutes later, he shows up and sits at his own table across the restaurant. Like, yeah, this guy is he's so much better than LeBron, such a better teammate, such a better basketball player, the same guy. Like, it's a joke. He's not. And there's this little, small little fraction. 
like Matt who want to bring the argument up. It's not even an argument. You don't see it on SportsCenter anymore. It's LeBron versus MJ now. All day today, that's all you saw, LeBron, MJ, no Kobe. Well, there is a lot of that. I'll, I will give you that. But don't you think your viewpoint is tainted just a little bit because that's all you know is LeBron. I watch Kobe. You watched some of it, but you were just a young, snot-nosed kid at that time. I've arguably watched more NBA basketball when I was 10 than I do now. Well, okay, but did you know the ins and outs of the game at the age of 10 compared to what you know now? I mean, you say it's not an argument, but if you go to all the NBA experts out there, they all have Kobe in the conversation. I mean, you can't, like I said, I don't. I think there is debate for the GOAT, okay? It's real tough to pin down the greatest of all time, but I think you brought it up the other night, and I think it's a better comparison if you say, who's your Mount Rushmore of the top four basketball players of all time? And I'll give you mine just right off the top. There's some tough ones on that fourth one, but I'm going to have LeBron, Kobe, and MJ, and I just have magic nudging out Russell, and I'll tell you what, Isaiah almost makes that cut, too. As a pure basketball player, I know I'm biased on that, but if I'm going to go with my Mount Rushmore, it's LeBron, Kobe, MJ, and Magic. How about you guys? The, the Mount Rushmore thing is always tough because just going back to, like, that era thing, because, right, if you look at what Bill Russell did, it's almost like even, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you look right. at just stats and, you know, the career resume. Or Wilt. Yeah, or, yeah, Wilt Chamberlain, same thing. Hard to keep those three guys off your Mount Rushmore, but then, like, when you think about the guys you'd have to leave off, that's even leaving off like Larry Bird and some other guys. Oh, exactly. That's always tough to me. Uh, I mean, I'd be Kobe, MJ, LeBron, and then, I mean, I might be with you, and then Magic Johnson, uh, just as far as an all-around player. But it'd be tough for me to leave off Bill Russell, too. But, so, bringing up, i I've, I got to get to that book, too, Jared. I, I'm really excited to read that book because um, I saw Jeff Perlman on, when he was making the rounds on all the radio shows and stuff, promoting the book. But, um, you know, like bringing up the teammate stuff, like that's not necessarily – I mean, yeah, you, you could that comes into play, I guess, when you're talking about the GOAT, but <laughs> yeah. everyone knows Jordan was a dick and he wasn't necessarily <laughs> the greatest teammate either. So, I mean, you can't really, like, bring that up. And I think in the book he even talks about those, those early years when Kobe was in the league, early into the league with Shaq, he was socially awkward and, you know, like still finding himself as a person and stuff like that. So – you know, and he even talked about that later in his career, that those first few years in the league, you know, looking back, he probably didn't handle things the best. Um, so, you know, like, you can't, like, hold that stuff against him. I, like, I think just saying pure basketball player, I think most people would probably agree the basketball player, Kobe, is better than LeBron. LeBron can just dominate a game so much better. I mean, you can see that. He can just dominate a game. He can rebound. He can distribute. He can – he's actually developed a little bit of a three-point shot. I, I just – you know, and it's not like a fanboy thing. I think the basketball player, Kobe, is better than LeBron. But you can't deny the, the resume now. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think the NBA Finals losses at this point can be held against them? Because everyone always, the, mm-hmm. the MJ fanboys, 6-0 in the NBA Finals, that's what it is. That's like what they hang their head on. 6-0 in the NBA Finals, that's why he's the GOAT. And it's just like, I, I almost think 10 NBA Finals is more impressive. Well, I think LeBron with this one, and there's a very good chance he could win one or two more. <laughs> you know, that's looking ahead. But I think you're right, Matt. I mean, the MJ 6-0 and in finals, and then he took off two years in between. You know, it's hard to argue that. I mean, when you're perfect, you you got to give a guy a little extra credit for that, I think. Yeah. I don't because... The fact that he's there every year, I know that it was like in a week east, but he really, the two of the two of those losses, he should have easily probably won. Like 2015, the Warriors' first title, when it was basically him and Matthew Dell Vadova <laughs> against 
like the Warriors, like that should be literally pretty much just counted as a win because they won two games. If you remember, they're up two one in that series, right? And he's by himself totally. But I, I Matt, I got to go back to it. This Kobe argument, I could go out for hours about this. If you're <laughs> arguing that he's like more skilled and like LeBron has all these physical gifts, I mean, what do you want LeBron to do? Like stop lifting weights? I, I mean, I'm sorry that he's just more physically dominant. And it's not like the NBA has a lot. Like, if you want to go that route, then I would argue that James Harden is a better basketball player according to your standards than Kobe Bryant is because he's more skilled. He's a better shooter, better dribbler, better passer. Like, I just don't I don't understand the argument, really. Yeah, I'm not holding LeBron's physical gifts against him. I'm just saying, like, and James Harden, like, that, he's not even in the same class as Kobe. If you, like, take the defensive stuff, he turns the ball over way more than Kobe does. And just the way that, yes, he is the I think you also just have it set in your head, too, that LeBron's just better, and I think that's maybe where the fanboy stuff does come in. I'm not taking a shot at LeBron. I've, LeBron's won me over. I'm a fan now. I didn't used to like him because of, you know, the whole Kobe versus LeBron thing and then LeBron just torching the Pistons. You know, I, I, didn't, I couldn't stand him. He's won me over because the way he plays, the way he runs the team, the way even all the off-the-court stuff, obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of. I'm not taking any shots at him. I just think the basketball player, Kobe, just is, he's a better shooter. He's a better ball handler. He's a better defender. LeBron's never been an elite defender, and Kobe was on the first-team All-NBA basically his whole career. So I think just all-around basketball, Kobe is there. I'll just say this. Matt, enjoy this argument while you can, because if you listen to LeBron's interview with Scott Van Pelt right after he won the title, he said that he's better now at 35 than he was at 27 when he won his first title. So you got a few more years, and he's going to keep adding to his resume. He's going to keep winning titles, and you're going to eventually. This argument is not even going to be. No one's even going to bring it up anymore, other than maybe you when you're trying to tell your grandkids about how great Kobe Bryant was when he was when he's totally forgotten about. He'll be totally forgotten about in Laker lore. <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to be forgotten about <laughs> in Laker lore. So like you, you saying that kind of makes everything else he said void because he is <laughs> never going to be forgotten in Laker lore. Swept under the rug of Laker lore. <laughs> yeah, Laker lore right there with, well, we got Kobe and Shaq, Magic and Kareem, West and Wilt, and now LeBron and AD. Uh, let's face it, that, that is unbelievably impressive, those two guys, what they put together and got done in, what, two years now. And uh, what? Ma- remember Magic Johnson was just ripping on the organization? Well, a few people there knew what they were doing, including Rob Polinka. Yeah, I couldn't believe that uh, Lawrence Frank, the Clippers GM, won Executive of the Year in the NBA because, you know, he he got Kawhi, he made the Paul George trade. But if you look at the Paul George trade, they gave up like 30 draft picks to get him, and they got bounced. They they didn't even – they underachieved the whole way. They fired their head coach. So it's just really strange. When you look at what Polinka did, I mean, you had LeBron, but they had to somehow get AD to come over. They basically signed a bunch of dudes. I mean, you know, guys like Rondo and – they got Markeith Morris from the Pistons and JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, and, and then signing Frank Vogel to be the head coach, making all these moves to, to you know, make everything fit. I mean, it was a, it was a great job by, by Polinka to me. And, you know, people always say things. Even Mark Jackson during the broadcast last night, I don't think he was taking a shot at Vogel, um, but he was kind of saying, like, that hit Vogel coming in to coach LeBron James and Anthony Davis isn't necessarily a hard job, but, you know, you got two of the best players in the league. you just got to kind of manage everything. I don't know. Phil Jackson used to always say that sometimes having guys like Jordan, Rodman, Pippen, Kobe, Shaq almost makes the job a little harder because they're so good, but it's kind of like, what's your role? How do you, like, manage these guys that are already, you know, two of the greatest in the league? So the job Vogel did, I think, is up there, too. 
And I'll be curious to see what they do in the offseason because it is kind of a bunch of old veterans. But in this team, I, I just laugh at the people who are actually picking the Heat to win this series. I know it was fun. And, you know, like they were, like, playing really well. And we talked about, like, the 4 Pistons vibes. But it was, like, in a seven-game series, there's no way, barring any injuries, the Lakers were going to lose. Yeah, it cracks me up because it's, like, People will say, like, oh, he were injured, this or that. Dragic, Dragic was 50%. No, it, it literally took Jimmy Butler everything he had in his tank to win a game by one point. You saw him. He almost died on the court. <laughs> literally leaning over whatever that thing was right after he got fouled, right at the end of that game. He was dying on the court. And that's what they needed to even beat the, to beat the Lakers twice. What a performance by him, uh, you know, and a losing cause. I mean, and it, they couldn't they couldn't keep him happy in Philadelphia. It's just it, it scratches your head sometimes when when you see some of these moves. The guy can play. I don't know, and it seems like he's he seems like his teammates like him too. You know, so I don't know. Sometimes I guess it's just a fit. You know, and, and things click. But he had a hell of a series too. Yeah, hell of a series, and yeah, I think that's a testament to like Pat Riley and Spolster and the Heat. They seem to just be like a great franchise. I mean, the you know like they had. Shaq and, and Wade, and then they went through the big three with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade, and then they've kind of had to rebuild this team, and, and kind of with a bunch of role players. I mean, Butler is definitely a, a superstar, but, you know, otherwise it's Duncan Robinson coming on, and drafting Hero, and Adebayo, and stuff, so, I mean, they, they did an awesome job building that team, too, and that, I guess that's just what it came down to. I know people said Adebayo was a little banged up, but I don't think he was going to truly, like, change the series. Lakers were just a better team. You know, I, it's not taking a shot at the Heat. They were playing great. Lakers, they, they were just all around a better team. Yep, they, I've seen guys like Rondo and Dwight Howard, like, as a Lakers fan. I couldn't stand those dudes, even LeBron back in the day. So it was kind of funny to be, like, cheering for those guys. It'll be very interesting to see uh, what happens when the team that's really been quiet and just watching from afar, Golden State, when they're back healthy, what's going to happen in the, the matchup out west. That could be a lot of fun seeing them and the Lakers go at it next year. Hey, feel free to take them. Eight to one odds to Is win the title next year. It was like 13 to one no more than 24 hours ago, so people are hammering them. Wow. Hard. I don't really understand why, but... Overall, what was, yeah. like, before we wrap up the NBA, what do you guys think is, like, what was your overall, like, thoughts on the bubble? Did you, was it a success? Because I think it was just basically a, a huge success. The fact they had no positive cases somehow basically that entire time. 172 games. play didn't, didn't drop at all, really, yeah. I thought, for, like, playoff basketball. And it just, they handled it perfectly, like, really since the pandem- pandemic started, like, with uh, Rudy Gobert. Like, they basically handled it perfectly from that time on. It's crazy. 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, Adam Silver, we've talked about it before. He sure seems like he's probably the best commissioner of all the major sports. And, yeah, it, it's, you know, they set it up great. They talked about it last night on the broadcast that, like, everyone involved, Disney and all the employees at Disney, you know, kind of buying in or whatever, and all the NBA players, you had that one, you know, Lou Williams or whatever kind of left and maybe started to screw stuff up. But otherwise, no cases, and, you know, everyone bought in and stayed in their hotels and stuff. So I don't think the play dropped off either, like what you said, Jared. I, I thought it was maybe because I'm an NBA fan, but the play was entertaining, and maybe at first it was a little rusty, but otherwise the playoffs were great. And, I mean, it was fun. I'm just curious. I, you know, you want to enjoy the moment and, you know, I guess celebrate the bubble being successful. But now I just wonder, like, what what's the NBA going to do now? Like, because, <laughs> you know, obviously they go into their off season, I guess, now. But are they going to try and, like, have a system, you know, like what the MLB kind of did? Or, you know, you can't, like, go back to the bubble again for the whole next season. So I, I'll be curious to see uh, how the NBA handles next season. 
season, which should be starting basically now. Yeah, what was the latest? I know we've talked about that ideally, especially with the way that this season shook down and just finished. I think they should just start Christmas Day and then go from there. I think they were talking about starting somewhere around Thanksgiving, though. No, I believe that the plan is for still for Christmas Day because I saw that they officially locked in okay. for first as the start of free agency. All right. So they're going to go off of that, I would guess. And I would think that December 25th would be like their target date to start. But it might even they might even push it back a little. I'm fine with it if they want to wait, but yeah. I would definitely love it if they start right on Christmas. That would be perfect. Christmas Day would be cool, but uh, yeah, that's what? Yeah, that's like two months away. So that's going to be like, what, a two- or three-week off-season, and then you're back to practice. So, yeah, it'll be well, cool to see what they do. Welcome to LeBron's life, Matt. Can't be like Kobe Bryant, who wins a few titles earlier in his career and bounced early the rest of his career. So. All right, let's see what both you guys know about football. We'll get into that next. Let's uh, let our listeners know, though, about Sheridan Auction Service. They always have a wide variety of items and real estate on their docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com and come check out their brand-new warehouse with all kinds of goodies going to be stored inside there. Nelson House Funeral Homes, their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. See them on the web at Nelson dash house and our friends just down the road here in Corona Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast, open again for dine-in service. All kinds of great specials coming out for the high school football game of the week on Friday nights. They put it on the 10-foot screen, either Owasso or Corona featured, and our game last week was on there, and I don't think a Trojan fans were very happy with that one. 55 to nothing, and Matt, you'll like this. Jared and I, our broadcast was on the... Uh, the video feed for that game, and we'll be back on this Friday night as well. Oh, nice. They, they played the castle during the, the feed? Yeah, yeah. We figured it out, plugged it in, and uh, got a lot of good comments on that. That was a lot of fun. That was high school football. And, you know, before we get into college and pros, uh, since I'll segue from high school football, a couple records were broke. Uh, Jared uh, had, was tied for the record for touchdown passes in a game with four, and Jaden Herrick, the junior quarterback, flung up five of them. So he had a big game, and then Nick Steinecker pulled in uh, five touchdown catches and also had eight receptions on the game. That tied uh, one of your records there, Matt, though I'd have to give you the nod since you did it two times with eight catches. Did it two times, and one time in a playoff and one time against a really good Chesson 18. So I'm not taking a shot at Owasso. Eight, eight catches <laughs> is impressive. Five touchdowns, that's a hell of a game. Yeah, he had a great game. Uh, here's if, what I'll say about that is, Matt, I'd say it in terms of the way football is going, uh, passing records and receiving records, they're, they're not going to be around for much longer. They're going to keep getting broken, sadly. That is definitely one thing. I know around the time when I was playing, we were still definitely, I mean, even our quarterback, Kyle Clough, he, he broke a ton of records too. So we did pass a good amount, but especially Corona, at, you know, at that time, we were still definitely like run heavy and, you know, through the 90s and obviously back in test days and stuff. You know, it was more power football. Mm-hmm. Around when, when I was playing is when things started shifting towards you know a little more spread offense and you know passing a little more so so yeah and then definitely jared i know when you guys played you guys are swinging it all around the field so um yeah i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if those records start to fall here soon well for those of you keeping score at home jared still has four high school records Matt has two outright, one share, and I still have two, and I caught a lot more passes from the opposing teams than my own quarterback, so that's how it was back in our day. <laughs> it's embarrassing that your record is still, because it's such a preposterous, like, how did you, how were the quarterbacks so bad that you had 10 interceptions in nine games? Uh, no, I had, I, I had 13. 13? Yeah. 
Don't shortchange me. Don't shortchange me. You knew that passing was in infancy when that was the key. 13 in, in, interceptions in nine games, young fella. <laughs> that's like that. I know you're like you're saying the quarterbacks are probably bad, <laughs> which you know may be true. But that takes some. I mean, that takes some skill from you, from the corner, to be able to read those passes. They might have been throwing a couple ducks up there, but you still got to make the play. You still got to catch the ball. Well, Oh, yeah, I'll tell you how, how it really was. I mean, I, I had really good hands. I, I did. I had excellent hands. I played free safety my senior year when I got the 13, and there were some pretty bad quarterbacks. And I just played center field, you know, and, and, and I think they've become more uh, more elaborate nowadays with some of the schemes. But back then, I had pretty good uh, peripheral vision, so I would watch the quarterback's eyes, you know, and you're not going to throw the ball anywhere that you're not looking, especially back in those days. So that, that was pretty much the key to it. So I'll take it. That's a long-time record, though, boys, 73, all the way back to 73. That's a long-standing record for sure. Well, let's get off my uh, my uh, Al Bundy remembrances and uh, <laughs> let's go to college football. Today the uh, schedules were announced in the Big Ten, the Times. And, you know, we're Michigan, Michigan State heavy here, real heavy on the Michigan. But they get uh, the 24th, a Saturday night game on ESPN at Minnesota. Oh, my goodness, that's going to be awesome. What do you think? Yeah, you have to wonder if, if game day might be there. You know, the first weekend that Big Ten is there. Two ranked teams, Michigan and Minnesota. And, yes, yeah, like if Herbie and Fowler are going to call that game, you know, who knows. But it, I, I tweeted it out, like, from our, our podcast page that you were going to find out quick what this Michigan team is. I'm not saying, like, if they lose, throw the season into the tank. But, I mean, a primetime game, night, Minnesota is going to be probably chilly. Minnesota's good, and Michigan's got a new quarterback. So we're going to find out quickly what Michigan's all about. And I don't know like what you guys think, but watching football, even in the NFL, but definitely in college, there is just like no defense. I mean, it used no. to be like Big 12 played no defense. But even the SEC, these games are 45-40, to 48-42. to 42. There's just no defense. And you have to wonder if, if that's because there hasn't, wasn't much like of a preseason. So I'll be curious to see, I mean, Michigan's defense and, you know, Michigan State's and the whole Big Ten, but I'll be curious to see what the defenses are like. This is the perfect game for Michigan to start the season with because it's not like what we've had in the past where it's like Alabama or something where you just know you're going to get your doors blown off and there's really nothing you learn from it. You just know that you're a lot worse than Alabama. It's not like an Ohio State. It's a perfect, like, ranked opponent. Where, and we're not starting with like a middle Tennessee state where we're just going to blow them out and we still don't know what type of team we have. It's the perfect game to start the year with. Matt, we, if we lose, we know to just punt on the season. We know to punt on Joe Milton. I know that you don't want to say that, but that's, it's perfect because it's not like Minnesota's world beaters. We really should win the game. So if we do end up losing, we know that this team just is not good, and it might be time to maybe move on from Harbaugh. I hate to say it, but it might be time to move on from him. Wow. It's awful early to be making these comments, I think, but you're entitled to your opinion. But, you, you know, if they – the Minnesota, who P.J. Fleck just comes in in a few years, is already better than what Harbaugh's been doing, that Xavier, hmm. that wouldn't irk you? Of course it would irk me, but it is a tough draw. It, but, what, but on the other side of the coin, you win that game on the road, a Saturday night game, all the hype that goes into that, then what? You give Harbaugh another year or two of a free pass? I mean, what do you go, game by game with him or what? I'm not saying that we, we would. I, I said that a little bit like an exaggeration. I would just say it would be time to maybe start thinking about it. Okay. Because at what point is it just, there's so many, like I watch, I already know what's going to happen. The Hawks probably going to struggle against Minnesota. After a few games, Harbaugh's going to take the play calling duties back. That's either they'll 
like beat the Marylands, the Rutgers, and those teams, and then we'll think that it, that was the problem all along. And then we're going to do the same exact thing next year. I hope not, but it's just if Milton is not the real deal, that's what we're doing. I know the, the offense last year with Patterson was a little iffy at times. I think this year is the year. I, like To an extent, I do agree with you is what I'm trying to say because, right, at some point things have to click. Like how many times are we going to say, like, it's the next quarterback that's going to be the one? It's the next offense that's going to be the one or whatever. At some point, it's got to click. So is this going to be the year with Milton? I guess we'll see. But, you know, kind of like what we were saying with, with the Lions before the season started, everything coming out of camp is these receivers are, are faster than any that Harbaugh's ever had. The running back room is really good. So hopefully the speed, we've, we've talked about this before, we want to see speed on this Michigan team. So hopefully that's what we see. We'll see what kind of offense they run. I guess, I don't know. I'm not firing Harbaugh if they lose to Minnesota, but you know it, it would suck to lose for sure. Yeah, I think they definitely got to get off to a good start. They can't fall behind early and expect to come back. But uh, if they get that win, and then they got Michigan State in week two, you know we'll know where the Wolverines are after two weeks for sure. You know we know where Ohio State's going to be. <laughs> They're going to be damn good. What, do you guys have any observations? You know, we're talking Big Ten football, and we still got a couple of weeks. But uh, any thoughts on some of the games we've been seeing? Matt brought up the the fact that it doesn't seem to be any any defense being played. There's points all over the place. This is really just a strange year. Like we said, no camps. Uh, you know, no fans in the stands. It does make a difference. Uh, obviously, with motivation on the field. I mean, this has been just one crazy season already. It seems like there's been a lot of upsets, and I, and I know that that's like kind of college football season. The first few weeks there usually is, but it seems like this is more so than ever before, like the upsets that are happening. With the SEC, it seems like it's more of like, a, other than Alabama, of course, who's just never going to lose those type of games. It seems like it's more of a toss-up like this year on who that second good team is than like ever before. I'm not sure. Who would you guys say is the second best team in the SEC right now? I have no idea. Probably Georgia. Everyone's getting beat. Everyone's beating everybody. We'll know after this week. Yeah, Georgia's number three, and they, they play Alabama. So, it really, Georgia's looked better than Alabama has this year. So, yeah, we'll find out this Saturday. That's going to be a hell of a game, Georgia we, versus Alabama. Usually they don't they don't play that much during the regular season, so, so that's going to be a huge game. Yeah, we know LSU, all of a sudden, they can't play any defense at all. They just got beat by Missouri. Missouri put 45 on the board. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, like, Michigan – you know, like Michigan State, I think we've talked about it before a few weeks ago when we were talking about, like, with our guest, um, you know, talking about Mel Tucker and stuff, that I think their, like, expectations are a little tempered with a new coach. He came in late, you know, no traditional off season and stuff like that. So I, I think their expectations, I'm not saying, like, low, but, you know, like, if they do lose a few and kind of stumble off to, like, a one and four start, they won't be that upset. But I think it will be if Michigan does lose a couple games, and they did have a tough draw as far as the mm-hmm. schedule goes. But whatever, you got to play the games, you got to win them. I, man, like how how long we've talked about it before, but how long will you go if it's another five and three season or something like that, and then they get their doors blown off by Ohio State? Like, I mean, at some point it's got all it's got all clicked, right? I mean, they they do still have a ton of talent on the team. Well, if it, if it gets to that, then I'm going to be hopping on Jared's bandwagon if they go five and three and get blown out by Ohio State. That's just you can't do that year after year. I mean, they they have got whether they can beat Ohio State this year or not, they have to play them right. I mean, they have to they have to at least go head to head with them, and it's got to be competitive. You know, ideally, if they can somehow pick up a win at the horseshoe, I don't know if that's possible, but I guess in college football, anything's possible. And if Michigan 
starts off this year with a couple of wins. You know how they always do. When they, when they get some wins under their belt, they seem to roll. And if they start rolling and get to that Ohio State game with some confidence and, and can somehow pull it together, how awesome would that be? I'd feel pretty good. I'm optimistic, as always. You saw what I did with the Lions. I put the curse on them. <laughs> <laughs> you guys brought up the Lions. I, I see people. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Like, obviously, they had a bye week, so they're they're heading into a game week now. But you know, their their schedule is one of the easiest for the rest of the way. I think it's like the fifth easiest schedule the rest of this season. And I've I've seen some people, you know, the quote unquote experts say that the Lions are going to fight themselves back into a playoff spot. And I just, <laughs> I know I predicted like ten or eleven wins this year, but the play that we've seen so far does not show me. Uh, even an eight and eight team, but definitely not like a nine and seven or a, or a ten and six team. Like you guys, like why, why even bring? I guess they must they they must believe in the organization too that they're going to fight back. Because I was going to say like why even bring Patricia back if you know that you're just going to go three and thirteen or four and twelve and fire him in the offseason? Yeah, that's a fair question. I mean, of course, the Ford family ever since they've owned the team, they they give the coaches a long, long leash. And I'm sure they're just figuring, hey, we're paying the guy. We might as well let him run out the season. Hey, if they can turn around, great. If not, well, at least he earned his paycheck by showing up every day and coaching them. That's all I can figure out. You know, I, I did see some of that stuff about the, the Lions' schedule coming up, and it's it's pretty favorable on paper. Come on. Those aren't people that follow this team week in, week out, year in, year out. Who are they, who are they following? What are they trying to stir up? They're nuts. See, how can you say that after you just bet on them to win seven games this year? That was at the beginning of the season before a one well, snap happened, Jared. I mean, now that I've seen them play, they can't tackle anybody. Well, you have all this, you have 50 years of uh, Lions database to go off of. The clue that wasn't enough, still falling for it year after year. <laughs> well, they've had they've had a year or two here that are uh, competitive at least. They have going in, you know, how did I know that Jeff Akuda was going to stink and not be able to adjust quicker than he has? You know, how did I know that they weren't going to tackle anybody? I just couldn't figure that one out. And you're right. I was stupid. I, I'll admit it. We all bought in and probably shouldn't have because we all know that it's the Lions. And so it would also be like the Lions would be the team to go rip off seven out of eight or win nine out of ten or something like that and save Patricia's job <laughs> after – the Texans are making changes to their coaches. The Falcons are firing coaches and GMs. You know, they're making changes all over. The Lions would be the ones to start off the way they did and then rip off a six-game winning streak or something and get everyone right back on the Patricia bandwagon. That would I don't be, think it's going to happen. But. I don't either, but it would be pretty comical, that's for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of the NFL, fellas, I mean, I'm still completely astounded that Alex Smith made it back to the NFL and actually played in a game. I mean, what a story that is. I, I still can't believe it after seeing the, the documentary on him and, you know, almost losing his leg, almost losing his life, and he's back playing in the NFL. It's just an, an amazing comeback story. It, it is, and it's kind of sad to see it happen, like, the same weekend as we see, like, Dak Prescott. Or not I know. Dad, but I guess a little bit inspiring where you know that, like, it's definitely possible for Dak to come back and be – you know, pretty much the same exact player he was before he got hurt. But, no, it's inspiring because it's crazy that I didn't realize how severe the injury was. Like, where you, like you, I, it was actually your tweet, Ted, where you said, like, from near death to, um, like, playing again. Like, where I was like, I, I yeah. had to look more into, like, the story where I didn't realize it was infected and all this other kind of stuff that happened to him. 
but I would have loved to have been like in his brain when uh, like Ron Rivera or whoever like when the starting quarterback got injured and he said like you got to go in. Like what was going through his mind when he realized that he had to go back out there? Like was it total fear, excitement, probably a little bit of all of that? But just crazy to think that that like he came all the way back. Yeah, just I would a- think it was, it was probably a, a mix of everything, nerves, and you know everything involved. But I, I would think it was mostly he thinks he deserves to be there and he's like driven to get out there and prove that he can play. Because if he was able to get to that point, it took an insane amount of drive and, and courage and everything for him to even get back to be the backup quarterback. So when he got told, like, get back out there, I mean, yeah, there were probably still some nerves, a little, not like scared. I don't think these guys are scared. But, you know, he probably had those feelings. It was probably mostly like, let me get out there. Let me get hit one time. And then he did. He got sacked by Aaron Donald. And nobody wants to get sacked by Aaron Donald. But... You know, you, you could tell, like, he can't really run that well anymore. He used to be pretty mobile. Can't really run that much anymore. But So I'll be curious, like, how much he actually ends up playing, how effective he is. But just the fact that he's out there is it's, it's impressive. It makes you, like, when you have a little bit of a the sniffle or when you got a little bit of a, like, stomach ache and you're like, oh, I can't get out of bed. I've got to call in to work. Makes you kind of feel like a limp. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I really thought when they were talking about comeback, talking about when he was back on the roster, I thought it was a publicity thing. You know, I thought it was one of those deals, you know, where a guy retires and, and signs with his original team, you know, one-day contract so he can say he retired from that team. I thought that's what the whole Alex Smith was going to be. And it just it completely, like I've said, it blew my mind that he actually made it back to play in the NFL, and like you said, who knows how far he's going to go, but just to do that, it's it's one of the all-time greatest comeback stories I have ever heard. It just really is. After seeing how how bad it was, and, and now he's back playing a couple years later, just astonishing. That's not the kind of stuff that happens down in Detroit, that's for sure. Yeah, no. No, uh, and then, yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the video. I, I don't really, like, I know some people don't, don't like watching injury videos, I've never had a weak stomach, like, blood doesn't bother me or whatever. So, like, I don't know if you guys watched the Dak Prescott video. Yeah, I saw it. it Yeah, it was fairly gruesome, I guess. But did you notice, like, when it happened, he tried to immediately, like, snap it back into place? Yeah. Like, he snapped his foot onto the the field. I just, I had to wonder if, like, you know, I saw people saying, like, what was he doing? You know, he's going to damage it worse or whatever. I just had to think, like, the pain probably hadn't even set in right then. He probably looked down and saw his foot jacked out of place and thought let me put pop it back in and then it hit him like oh my god this thing's busted it's just crazy to see that no i'm not a doctor but i think technically if it if he wouldn't have had the compound fracture and it was just dislocated he had the right idea and i think you're right he probably didn't feel it quite yet but oh it was nasty looking well, let's wrap up the show with some potpourri, including maybe a little uh, movie review from Netflix on Tedertainment tonight. But uh, before we get to that, I want to tell you about the Corona Connection, the CoronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CoronaConnection.com. Also, where we're recording this podcast, Z92.5, local and live with an upbeat variety of music from the 80s to now. Also home of our Castle Game of the Week every Friday night at 7. This Friday night, Lake Fenton at Corona. Advanced Elevator Company, they have experienced field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. A longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and Hank 
Pickard Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard Sportswear. Well, uh, let's see. Where do we want to go? We do have baseball. You guys probably don't want to talk too much about baseball, but I do want to throw it on the table that we're in the championship series now, the uh, Tampa Rays taking on the Astros and then the Dodgers and the Braves. I pretty much think any uh, television network that's covering the World Series, I'm not sure if it's Fox or or, or Turner, probably Fox, but uh, they got to be hoping for an Astros-Dodgers World Series, don't they? I would think so, just be, just because of the drama. But let me yeah. point out, isn't it interesting that the Astros are back in the championship series after they've lost their best two pitchers? And, you know, everyone said that the only reason they were good is because they were stealing signs and everything. Oh, huh, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> you can't take a victory lap yet, bud. <laughs> they got to win the World Series, then you can start having that parade. Yeah, and let's let's go back for just a second. I don't think everybody was saying they were no good. They had plenty of talent on that team. They just didn't like the way they cheated. That's all. So, I mean, they <laughs> yeah. cheated like everyone in baseball, stealing signs. But, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> it's interesting, for sure. Uh, also, uh, in uh, in entertainment news, it was a tough week with Eddie Van Halen from the band Van Halen dying at 65. I talked about this also Friday. Friday was John Lennon's 80th birthday and his son Sean Lennon's 45th. So kind of a milestone day with a, a lot of good Beatles stuff on Sirius Radio. Uh, politically, guys, we had quite the story here in the state. I don't think we talked about it on the last podcast, but uh, not the Michigan Wolverine Watchmen, but just the Wolverine Watchmen Michigan militia had a plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer and uh, put her on trial and possibly execute her. What the hell? Yeah, it, it seems like it seemed like some. When I first read the headline, I thought I was reading The Onion. I was like, "What is what is happening right now?" And I know we don't get like deep into politics, nope. but I just it's it's kind of like a little I, I don't know like what the right word is scary or whatever how extreme some people are going with their beliefs and i don't i don't know if it was like this back in the 60s or 70s or you know ted you were the only one around out of the three of us back then but it just seems like man the the divisiveness people are so far one way or the other so far on the left so far on the right that they just hate the other side to the point where they're gonna kidnap and possibly execute the governor like what is going on yeah it's just it's insane to me well, you're right. I'm the oldest, and I've seen a lot of stuff in my time, including all the assassinations there in the 60s nationally. But uh, I have never seen it, a country this divided on that, that front. And it, what is scary, you know, some of these uh, watchmen were at the rally. There was a rally against the governor or against, uh, you know, the uh, wearing of the mask. And, you know, you have all these uh, legal gun carriers, which is okay, but, you know, you have all these militia people inside the state capitol with ak-47s i mean it just takes one wacko to fire off one round and you got a just a complete chaos disaster on your hands i mean just it's that's all it would take is just one wacko pulling a trigger it's just crazy yeah and it's kind of on the heels of that that debate where where trump you know he kind of refused to condemn like with the white supremacist groups and stuff like that so I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm not going going that route. But I'm just saying, like, if, if some leaders could come out and just say, like, don't do this stuff, kind of like with the masks. If some of the leaders would have come out and said, 
let's wear masks, let's try and get ahead of this. You know, if, if there was some leadership in that sense, instead of trying to continue to divide people, maybe it would help a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, and, uh, and you know, we're all three Corona Cavaliers. How about a shout-out to uh, Radical Sheriff Darleaf? class of 1983 you saw that video floating he was hanging right with uh, these uh, militia men is he from the grand rapids area do you know from the corona alum yes 1983 <laughs> graduated with your old man that funny that video is funny because the reporter aaron i know him at fox 17 uh-huh is, it's going viral and i had no idea that that guy is that idiot sheriff is from corona <laughs> There you go. We tied it all in together. All right, that's enough on our political stuff. All we'll say is, a just vote, vote. We don't care who you vote for, but use your right. Hopefully we have a record turnout and everybody gets out there and, uh, and, and exercises their right as an American to uh, have a say, at least, in the presidential elect- election and all the other elections. All right, let's take a look at some Tedertainment tonight. And, uh, Matt, you started it. You posted something that, and I'm sure it was because uh, probably your daughter and you watched it, but Hubie Halloween, an Adam Sandler uh, movie on uh, Netflix. It kind of piqued my interest. I watched it. (laughs) And uh, before we comment, I know Jared thinks it's just silly that we watched that movie. Yeah, uh, it's a little little silly. I mean, (laughs) that movie is made for, like, (laughs) five-year-olds. And it's funny how the youngest guy in the podcast, it wasn't even worth his time. (laughs) But <laughs> uh, you guys made sure to watch it. So thanks for that. Thanks for your service. Well, I, 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 I'm sure Matt will agree with this. I mean, it, it has Adam Sandler, and it had a lot of funny mo- moments. It was pretty good. Well, I, I mean, first of all, it definitely was not made for five-year-olds uh, because I'm not saying it was, like, R-rated. But I, I didn't watch it with my daughter. It was my, my wife and I. But okay. yeah, it definitely was It's not a kid Halloween movie. It's definitely not, like, you know, a lot of, like, a slasher movie or anything like that. But, yeah. It's, it's a goofy Adam Sandler movie. It's not going to be up there for any awards or anything like that. I think the hate for Adam Sandler is on the same level as, like, how people just rip on Nickelback. It's, like, cool to say that you hate Nickelback and stuff like that. And I think that's where it is with Adam Sandler movies. People just, like, rip on Adam Sandler, and it's like, I, I don't know, like, what? If you don't like his comedy, I guess maybe that's one side. But uh, I, don't, I don't get what, sometimes why people rip on Adam Sandler movies so much because, for me, personally... Like, you know what you're getting when you're going into it. It's going to be goofy. There's going to be some dumb comedy. There's going to be some funny moments. The acting isn't necessarily, like, award-winning acting. And, like, you know, usually there's a decent, like, moral. There's a decent lesson or something like that. So, for me, like, that's all I ask. 90 minutes, Halloween, you know, it's kind of like Halloween time. So, cool to watch a Halloween movie. I like Adam Sandler. I laughed a few times. I don't know. I'm not not upset with watching that movie. I'm not ashamed either, man. I'll tell you, I like Adam Sandler. Uh, is he the same as he was when he was Happy Gilmore? Probably not, but it's still, the character he played was like Bobby Boucher, kind of, wasn't it, would you say? Uh, to me, it gave me, like, Billy Madison vibes. Mm. I don't know, and they actually had some characters and stuff from Billy Madison. But that's the vibe it gave me. Obviously, right, he's not 20 years old or whatever anymore, but that was the vibe it gave me. Billy Madison Halloween. Yeah. It was funny. And the super thermos he had was pretty clever, too, some of the different things you could do right. with that. <laughs> There's the, okay, I'm sure, I'm not going to lie, I probably would enjoy the movie if I did watch it, like just shut the brain off for 90 minutes and watch it. I probably would like it, but... There's a difference between Adam Sandler movies from 20 years ago, like, say, in Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, and Grown Ups 2. Right. And are you honestly going to tell me that Grown Ups 2 is a funny movie? That movie is the worst thing I've ever watched in my entire life. Was The Waterboy good, would you say? The Waterboy? Yeah. Yeah. 
I yeah, that's yeah. The, that's prime Adam Sandler. This kind of had that vibe, I thought. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of like Waterboy, Billy Madison. That's kind of what it. And even even uh, at the beginning, not it's, this isn't like spoiler spoiler alert or anything, but uh, Ben Stiller makes an appearance, kind of like a, a character from <laughs> like his character in Happy Gilmore. That was just I, I thought it was hilarious when he popped up on the screen. So yeah. I I don't know, like if you had a night, Jared, where you had nothing to do, there's no football on or you know whatever. I don't think you'd be. Uh, you wouldn't be upset that you spent ninety minutes watching it. I don't think, but not at all. One thing, I, yeah. One thing I think is cool, like the grown ups movies. Right, people always rip on those. I don't mind them. I think it's cool because you know you think about the story. You know, like some guys, hometown friends getting back together, that kind of thing. That's what I like about Adam Sandler too. I think he's funny. I do like him, but like he's always got his like buddies in his movies, and you know it's kind of like the same cast, and he brings now Shaq and like Dan Patrick they're all like a part of the crew and stuff like that and i just think that's like really cool i I can't even imagine like what he must like call these guys and be like hey i've got an idea for a halloween movie that's going to be straight to netflix i want to spend a couple weeks shooting it and they do you know what i mean yeah i just think that's really cool well uh you gave it uh on the three-point podcast uh standard two out of three basically is that how you would rate it? But I did, yep. yep. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I couldn't go three out of three. No, and I'd give it probably 2.2. You know, we can go points, but a little better than 66%, 70%, not bad. I thought it was pretty good. Jared, Jared can give his if when he does watch it. All right, one final thing. I don't know if both you guys uh, tune in to Saturday Night Live still, but uh, I checked it out this week. You know, they're always big at their uh, cold opens on what what's happening politically. And, of course, we had the vice presidential debate last week, and they did a great takeoff on that. Maya Rudolph is almost identical to Kamala Harris. And uh, they had... Uh, Mike Pence was was played by Jim Carrey, which I think's a little bit of a mistake. I preferred uh, Jason Sudeikis's, uh, you know, Biden over Jim Carrey. But God, you butchered his name. Can we stop trying to make SNL thing? It's it's over, man. Is it? The glory days. The glory days are over. I don't know. They had a good musical guest in Jack White. He rocked out, man. You don't see much rockers out there anymore. <laughs> Just let it die. Yeah, I, sorry. <laughs> I've definitely fallen off of. Um, SNL. I, I'll watch the clips, like when someone good is on, like when Jim Carrey was on. You know, I'll watch those clips. That's kind of what SNL is to me now. Like, it's like clip content. I'll watch one skit. Yep. I'll watch. You know, if, there, if there's a good musical guest or if there's a good cold cold open, I'll watch those clips. I I don't know if I can sit down and watch. What is it? It's an hour and a half show, or is it just? Yeah. Or I can't watch the whole. Well, thing. I and I record it, and I do. I fast forward through the the crappy skits. So I usually like the weekend update too. I think they do a pretty good job with that. Okay, I'll scratch it off my list. No more SNL talk. That's okay. Uh, one final. It's not a good sign when every time there's like a famous, like a Trump or Pelosi or somebody, <laughs> they have to bring in an outside actor to do it. Like this, that's how that's how bad the cast is. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I don't think they're that bad, but that's here nor there. <laughs> One final thing. Yeah, Alec, Alec Baldwin does Trump, right? Dude. Yes. Regular. Well, he is, and Jim Carrey is now, too. He's going to be Carrey. He's going to be doing Joe Biden. If Biden wins, you're going to be seeing a lot more of Jim Carrey. Uh, One final show. I think I might have talked about it with you guys before. It won a lot of Emmys. In fact, it swept the comedy Emmys. Have either one of you watched any of Shit's Creek? It's nope. been rec- recommended to me by my mom, and I don't know what it is. I think it's because of that Emmy 
the fact that they want every Emmy that everyone is starting to watch it now. Because it seems like everywhere I go, somebody brings that show up now. Yeah, well, we were on board way from the beginning. It's really funny. Um, it's in its final season. If you get a chance, start watching it. It's it's pretty clever, and uh, I recommend it. I have other stuff here, but I'll save it for another time. Any final thoughts we want to get on the table, guys, before we wrap this podcast up? I guess not. Let's call. Thanks for the final Saturdays you have before Michigan football returns. Yes, I can't wait. Saturday night. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And Michigan State kicks off at noon. So, you know, watch the Spartans, take a little mid-afternoon nap, get ready for the Wolverines. That's, that's a good day right there, I think. I've, I've said before, I mean, we talked about all the upsets and how crazy college football's been. And I've asked, do we really want Michigan football to come back? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, we've already suffered through the Lions, you know, the first few weeks. Yeah, Sunday was pretty nice. In fact, it was my last day on the boat, so I didn't have to worry about any depression setting in on the Lions, so that worked out real well. I've had a lot of, quote-unquote, last days on the boat in the last, like, month or so. <laughs> you, have you not? I feel like that's a, that's a tweet you have every Sunday. No, I, I think you're exaggerating there, young fella. All right, let's call this a show. Follow us, let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, and Z92.5 The Castle. Our next Z92.5 Game of the Week's Friday night. It's uh, Lake Fenton at Corona. Hopefully you can tune into that. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thank you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.